Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 96. I hope everybody's doing great out there. Uh, We have a wonderful show for you today. I'm going to be joined by our old friend, Mark Poise, to catch everybody up on what's going on in his life. He's got a lot of really cool stuff to announce on the show. Uh, So make sure you stay tuned after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, we're going to be joined by our old friend Mark Poise here in just a moment. Um, Mark, uh, of course, you'll remember, uh, is the touring drummer for Tyler Farr, um, and obviously all touring has ceased, but Mark is one of those guys that is always honing his craft, working to better himself as a person. Um, Just one of the most intelligent guys you'll ever talk to. I always love catching up with him. And Mark's been doing a lot of studio work, um, you know, remote sessions. He's been doing some lessons and he's also been doing some education for himself. And he's going to talk all about that here in just a moment. Uh, Again, just always good to catch up with Mark. I consider him a brother of mine. He's just such a great dude and so well-spoken. I know you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. So help me welcome back to the drum shuffle, the great Mark Poise. Mark Poise, the pride of Pennsylvania. How are you, my brother? <laughs> I'm very well. I'm Wow, what a, what a title. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. So how are things, man? It's uh, weird times right now. Are you doing okay? Uh, you know, I'm, I can't complain, honestly. Um, I think... 
uh, overall, I've been impressed with, I, I guess I haven't been on social media much. Maybe people are complaining, but at least in my little, <laughs> little isolated circle, there's not a ton of complaining. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I can't complain. Um, things are weird. Things are uncertain. Uh, but that's, that's about all I, I'll, I'll say on, like, the, the obvious side of it, you know. It, it's, yeah. We're all in this together, that's for sure. Um, so things have been great, and I, I've always been a productive-minded person or productivity-minded, I guess it's a better word for it. So it's been a great time for me to really get some stuff done and take some strides forward. Um, not necessarily all in ways that I planned in 2020, but, but hopefully good ones. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, so uh, let me ask you this. Um, were you out on the road with Tyler when all this, you know, started, you know, I guess when the earth caught fire or were you guys on a, on a break when the lockdown started really? Uh, well, you, you know, I think like a lot of people, you could see it coming or, or hear it coming. Um, we had some shows that, you know, we were, we had like, a, I think a private show with South by Southwest that, that, you know, sort of got canceled before things really, really started hitting. Um, and I, I, we were supposed to go out West at the end of this month and into the beginning of April. And I remember seeing the news and I was like, I wonder if we're going to do any of that run of shows, you know? Yeah. But, uh, we still had some shows. What was, it was the second weekend of this month in March, we were going to go out for two shows in like Iowa or something. And I was like, these might be the last two shows we play for a while, sort of in the mindset of like, I really want to enjoy it, you know, enjoy the moment there's, you know, the road can sometimes have, uh, non-enjoyable moments, but I, I wanted to really enjoy it because I, I could see what was coming possibly. Uh, and it was just before going to the bus, it was like, Hey guys, you know, from the tour manager, Hey, uh, we are not going out on the road. <laughs> it was, you know, the governor of whatever state the show is in just said, you know, you know, everything's illegal. Nothing can be done. Right. Stay home. And, and that was that. And, and honestly, uh, we still don't have much more clarity than that. I mean, and neither does anyone. Yeah. Well, um, you know, and obviously being a podcast, you know, we try to make this, you know, evergreen content because, you know, the, the hope is people will listen to this interview 20 years from now, right. When they're, you know, looking back on the, the career of the great Mark Poise, right? They're going to find <laughs> well, this. Well, yeah, and- <laughs> what, what an honor that would be. Yeah, let's do for that. <laughs> you know, so, well, they damn sure won't be going back to see what Jamie Eads had to say. I'll tell you that right now. So, but, you, you know, so I will state this. We're recording this on, you know, March 25th of, of 2020. Um, and, you you know, not to break that whole evergreen content sort of thing, but I do want to get this kind of across, you know, before the touring industry shut down, you know, you live in Nashville now, you guys had just gone through like a major tornado as well that, you know, did a lot of damage to Nashville. And it was really, you know, some of the benefit shows to raise money for some of the clubs that got damaged and, you know, some of the folks that were displaced by the tornado, right as those benefit shows started happening is when everybody was like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're not getting groups of people together because of, you know, coronavirus or, or COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. So Nashville kind of got dealt a really bad you know, double dose of this. So 
Uh, it's got to be a weird time for you being in Nashville. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's funny you said that because you just made me realize that we, we were supposed to be part of one of those tornado benefit shows that I think it got canceled before it was even released publicly. I, I could be wrong, but it would have been last night. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Like, wow, geez. Uh, but yeah, I think it was the night of March 2nd, I believe. Um, you know, we, a lot of friends um, really, really got hit hard. And um, my heart goes out to them. I have tried to help friends and community however I can uh, in, in my own little ways. You know, sometimes you wonder how much help you really are. But um, but even, even still, it was a scary night. The tornado came through, I was at home and, and it passed only about a mile North of our house. Oh, wow. But the forecast, uh, that we were hearing was that it was coming right at our neighborhood. Um, so that was the most, uh, you know, puckering moment that I've had in a long time. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's weird. I've just told people that it's like on, on March 2nd or 3rd, we had a tornado come through here and it knocked us into a parallel universe. Yeah. And everything since then is just what the heck is going on. You know, I, I felt really guilty because, uh, our power was out, you know, associated things. We were close enough that, yeah, we, we were knocked offline for quite a while. Uh, and then I had to go play shows on the road, which was incredibly, I mean, yeah, it feels great to play shows, but geez, the guilt associated with that, when you're just seeing how many people you know have lost their homes, have lost their livelihoods, all of that. Again, pre-coronavirus in the U.S. <laughs> right, um, yeah. The, and and I came back and, and I was, you know, I, I really, it, it was important to me to do what I could to help. So I was going around uh, with, with various groups and, and chopping down trees and taking care of brush and just like getting dirty volunteering. Um, and so well, honestly, my day to day hasn't been any sense of normal since that tornado. Wow. Uh, and now, you know, I, when I wake up in the morning and you, you know, you sort of go to get coffee and you like reacclimate to like, is this my life? <laughs> 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 and man, you know, I mean, what are we three weeks in now? And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Well, it, yeah. And you know, I mean, I think that's a good point. You know, I woke up and, it, you know, that next morning, you know, being up here in Kentucky, obviously we weren't affected by the actual storms, but I started reading the news reports and I was like, oh my God, you know, I've got so many, you know, brothers and sisters in Nashville. So, you know, I texted you, I started texting, you know, other folks that I know down there, you know, Jay Took and Rodney Edmondson and, you know, everybody that I know down there, you know, all my yeah. drum brothers and sisters and, you know, everybody was like, we're good. You know, we, we didn't get hit, you know? And I was like, wow, thank God. You know, what a, what a bullet dodge that I didn't know anybody in my really close circle that got, you know, torn up in this massive storm. And then a week later, basically all of those folks are unemployed temporarily. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's and, like, yeah, so it is and, a parallel we, universe. We, we only dealt with, like I said, we, I, I wouldn't even dare complain about it. It was just a scary moment. We, we just dealt with power out, no internet, all that for a couple of days. Um, but, but a lot of these folks and, you know, other friends too, that the, in the biz folks that, that work, you know, bartenders, servers, all that, yeah. uh, Nashville's a tourism town as much as a music town. And a lot of these people with, you know, they, they might be, 
um, working at, you know, either East Nashville or Germantown or living in Germantown or, or, you know, right by me in Hermitage here on the east side of town. And so many of them, it's like, oh, now I need a place to live. Oh, now I don't have a job either. Right. Or, you know, like it was just so chaotic. And, um, you know, I, I definitely don't want to, to harp on it too much with our time today because, like I said, I, I, I like trying to focus forward. But it's definitely been, uh, you know, we weren't like, we didn't make a right turn. We were shoved off the tracks, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and we're just trying to figure out what tracks are we on now? Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, for sure. Um, well, you know, when I talked to you last, uh, which was sometime last week, you know, we, we try to stay in touch. Um, you were doing drum tracks from home. Um, but I'm going to rewind even just a little bit further than that. The last time I actually saw you in person uh, was when, you know, the Tyler Farr tour came through Lexington. And it's been, you know, gosh, dare I say it's been a year ago. I, I can't remember if it was March or April of last year, but you guys came roughly, through. Yeah. Yeah. So but you guys came through town and, and you and I hooked up, uh, came down after sound check. Thank you so much. Um caught the show, got to hang out with you for a little bit. Uh, things were, were great. You know, I mean, it was a fantastic show. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, everything going great in, in life and, you know, then all of a sudden kind of the pause button gets hit. I know that you're, you were doing drum tracks remotely from your home studio last week. Um, what else do you have going on now that, you know, we're, we're kind of in this lull period where nobody's touring. Yeah. Well, I, I should, uh, definitely, you know, like the, the touring gig, the Tyler Farr gig for me is, is still very much a thing. And it's odd because, you know, Tyler has a new single out that's to radio and it's part of a new album cycle with a new label and Jason Aldean's producing it and, and he's getting a big push. And it's really funny because we should be amping up, everything on that front. The only good part that I see so far um, in relation to that is at least label stuff, radio stuff, streaming stuff is um, minimally affected by this. Um, so, you know, the hope is that the, the new music still does well for him and fans are going to want to see music whenever we can have shows again, people are going to want to see music again. Oh so, man, um, that, that pinup demand is going to be stupid. I think. Yeah. And, and, you know, equally my pent up demand to play a great show, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I already can't wait and I have no clue of when the next one will be. But, um, so that there's definitely a sense of like, it's not even quite paused. It's just the touring side of it is paused because the music business can go on, uh, and people consume music in so many ways nowadays. And we're fortunate to have that. Yeah, and we're fortunate this this big machine of the entertainment industry can chug along um, in the absence of touring, which is a big part of the music business now. I love that it's it's more important almost than ever. But we just got to hit pause, whether it's for a couple weeks or a couple months. Um, so that being said, uh, yeah, I've always just sort of tried to have my hands in as many things as possible. Um, I don't think I could feel fulfilled entirely as a, a professional without the live show energy in my life, but I'm not okay with just doing that. Um, so yeah, studio work, I've got a, a drum room in my house where I, you know, it doesn't look like much, but I get really great, um, 
quality drum tracks that, that I feel represent me and my playing well, it captures my playing well for clients that want me. Um, and I can do it for, in the scheme of recording, it's for cheap, but it's, it's just as much about making music with people as it is about, Hey, how about some side income? Uh, and that extends to lessons too. So I've always sort of had that and thank God for Skype and FaceTime and zoom video. Um, we can do those things still. Uh, demand has definitely dropped off because everybody's worried, but, um, at the same time, uh, by a total coincidence, I, uh, this year have been pushing into a new area myself. Um, and I've actually been pursuing certification as a personal development coach and a performance coach. Killer. Um, so that might seem like it's a, a left turn, but to me, it's, it's integrated with everything that I do already. I sort of always end up going that direction with private students, uh, and people and other professionals that, I mentor, um, I end up having that role a lot of times in musical relationships. Uh, and I really just like helping people. So it's, it's a funny coincidence, um, that I had already signed up for this Uber expensive course. (laughs) Uh, and you know, I never thought I would go back to school here. I am in classes. Thank God they're via zoom video, uh, virtually. Um, but I, I was already started on this path before, we went into the parallel universe, right? Yeah. Um, so the positive thing is I've had so much time to devote myself to, um, the, you know, my, this new learning endeavor that I'm in. And also I'm, I'm at a point in the learning where they've already, they've encouraged us to go out and start coaching actively, you know, properly coaching, not just, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there that say, Oh, I'm a coach, but, um, for, in the sense of being a certified coach, uh, they've are, we've hit the point that they've encouraged us to do that. And it's been great because I've been able to offer it to people, um, at a time that I think a lot of people are doing a lot of reflection. Yeah. So for me, this kind of represents opportunity for personal growth and opportunity to help others with their growth. And, um, you know, I don't want to downplay how, how bad this is in, you know, a health way and an economic way and all that, but, I do think there can be a silver lining to, to just about anything. And that's what I'm choosing to see uh, with my current situation. Yeah. And you bring up a good point and, you know, I, you would never say this about yourself, so I'll say it for you, but you know, I mean, we've known each other for a couple of years now. You're, you're one of the smart guys, you know, I mean, you're, you're, a, <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 well, you know, I mean, I think, okay, I'm going to bust a stereotype with you. Okay. So, a lot of people think, oh, he's a drummer. And and let's face it, Mark, you're you're a, a heavy player. I mean, you, you're a hard hitter, you know, and um, not taking anything away. It fits. But I think a lot of people see drummers and they go, well, it's because he wasn't smart enough to learn how to play piano. Right. I mean, there's kind of that stereotype in the business. Oh, he's just a dumb drummer kind of thing. Yeah. Me, me, drummer, me, hit drum. Exactly. You know, so obviously people that listen to this show don't think that way. But, you know, I think there is that, you know, unfortunate stereotype out there. You truly are one of the, the most intelligent guys that I've known over the years. You're always thinking ahead. Um, and, you know, you're a very fit individual, too. Um, you know, we've we've talked offline, you know, not not in an interview. You meditate daily. 
Um, you are, you look like a bodybuilder. You, you take care of yourself physically. You, you eat right, all those things. So this seems like a natural progression to me to help other people. And one of the coolest things that you've ever said to me was like, you know, sometimes people think they physically can't do something on their instrument, but it has nothing to do with the physicality of it. It's a mind block. And I think you're probably going down the, the, the path of let's get you past that mental block to be able to do what you know you can, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I, I don't want to hijack what is a, a drum podcast and a fantastic drum podcast. Oh, you're making I, me I blush. Sum, I, well, I would sum up the way I see it this way, that anything that's physical doesn't start physical. You know, it starts on a higher level. And some people will say that's a mental level. Some people, if you're so inclined, that also extends to a spiritual level or a metaphysical level. Um, but the physical, everything we say, do, see, play, uh, all of it uh, d- originates elsewhere and then it comes into being. And drumming is such a perfect way, you know, working on your development as a player is a perfect way to come to understand that. Um, and I'm not saying this like, oh man, I'm, I'm such a wise man. I got it figured out. Like I, I figured this out by beating my head against the wall like most of us. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was a moderately... Uh, gifted drummer, but I, I mean, I'm using moderately very loosely here. Like I just kind of worked really hard because I was so passionate. Yeah. Um, and working on coordination or time or tone or styles of music and, and learning um, all of the things that go into being a accomplished, you know, versatile drummer are actually involving skills that are universal skills. And I, I caught myself, I used to go there with students all the time and I, I sort of would feel bad and I'd start to pull back after a while because I'd say in my head, Hey, they're here for a drum lesson. Let's keep it on task. <laughs> right. you know, they, they paid for a drum lesson. I want to make sure because I would sometimes go to a place and I caught myself with a couple of students that we wouldn't hit a drum at all for the whole lesson. And uh, I think that can still be time very well spent, but it's not a drum lesson anymore. So let's not call it that. Right. So then I offered mentoring and, you know, I never advertised, but it, people just came out of the woodwork and I was happy to offer that. But at the same time, I was like, we're always talking about drums in the music business and how do I get my career here? And, you know, we all want to play to huge crowds and, and uh, you play on big records and so many of our, our goals intertwine, you know, in, in this community and for good reason, they're great goals. Um, but I, I just realized, hold on, the big, the picture is bigger than this still. So I started thinking about the coaching thing and, um, it's, it's a loaded word. I think just coach period. You don't even have to say the word life coach, which is really (laughs) just saying coach. And that's why I use, I like the term personal development and performance. How do I, how do I move forward? How do I execute what I know I can already execute things like that? Um, and what I realized was, uh, I was afraid to pursue it because, uh, they, there seem to be so many charlatans out there, so many guys, not, you know, guys, men and women offering this, that it's like, well, who, who appointed you? Like, well, what qualifies you to do this? And there was a thought in my head of, I, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to seem like I'm out there to grab people's money or, you know, hustling, you know, oh, look at, admire the hustle of, of this guy or that guy. 
nothing against that, but that doesn't sit well with me deep down, you know, yeah. um, as far as in my own life. So I, I, I had a sort of an aha moment several months ago that I just realized, hold on, you know, this ties back into drums. Don't worry. I'm, I'm not totally off on a tangent. I realized, hold on. I pursued music by going to school. I, I got a bachelor of music degree in jazz drum set at the university of Miami, which we talked about, you know, in our previous right. last time I was on, I think we went into my whole backstory there. Yeah. So I said, okay, that, that made me feel confident to say I can teach drums. I'm a professional drummer. Certainly I was playing gigs before I went to college, but it made me feel comfortable, uh, not only in my skills, but all the way in the core of my being that I have walked the path. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And sort of what made me comfortable, um, dispelling a lot of those, those, uh, fears inside me was like, why don't I take the same approach with this? Sure. It costs money, you know, as any responsible musician, I'm, we're always trying to watch costs because you never know when a tornado and a coronavirus <laughs> outbreak is going to happen. But, but okay. It was like, all right, you know, spend some money and spend some time. But if I found a program that I could do it, and then I realized that there's, you know, there's actually a global governing body that is accepted even in the corporate world as their certifications are the real deal. Um, so I didn't want to go to some fly by night thing. I didn't want to like attend a Tony Robbins seminar for a weekend and say, no, I'm a coach. <laughs> I was like, I want to do this right. Just like I did college. Um, not to say that college was a dream. It was, it was tough. And at times I hated it. But when I came out the other side, I was a different person. Yeah. And, uh, what I decided to take was the same approach this time. And it's funny because even in the couple of weeks that I've officially been coaching clients at, you know, right now I'm coaching at a super reduced rate because you have to build hours before you can even be certified. It's not like you watch, you know, a hundred hours of YouTube videos or something. <laughs> right. uh, it, it's very much, a, uh, you know, a, a training and apprenticeship, but, uh, I'm, I'm coaching people, a lot of my, you know, current and former students and mentorship, uh, clients, and coaching them for cheap. And it's funny because the response has been universally great. And it reminds me, it's like, huh, I, you know, I bet that fear of being seen as a, a charlatan or, or just full of it or self-serving, that was probably entirely in my head. But you know what? It's really good that I moved past it either way. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, while you were speaking, the thing that kept coming to me was you know, there, there is some sort of stigma out there about people that say, oh, well, you know, I, I'll use the term that you don't like, you know, a life coach or, you know, as you said, a personal development coach. But look, when people operate at a super high level at anything, you know, Tiger Woods had a swing coach, you know, arguably the greatest golfer to ever live in our lifetimes still had a swing coach, you know. Oh, yeah. Um many, many great professional drummers that are at the top of their game still take lessons from guys like Dave Elich. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's absolutely. It, yeah. There's no, there's no uh, question for the value offered from a, a good, a really good coach. Um, I just, like I said, it was, it, I, I came to realize it was my own block sort of like anybody might say that that's why they wouldn't pursue music full time. 
you know, there are a lot of good reasons to not dive headfirst into the music business, but believing that there's already enough people doing it and who am I, that's not a good reason. A good reason might be, well, when I look at the guys playing these big tours, I, I can't play at that level. That would be a good enlightened reason not to pursue it. But I think it's important to be like, to, to realize whether they're uh, logical things keeping you back or illogical things. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, it, it really is. And, you know, you and I have had conversations about, um, you know, at, at a certain point, you know, people getting into the music business, um, you know, I mean, I don't make it any secret. I've had a day job my entire drumming career because that's what's right for me and my situation and my family is not to say, hey, I'm cool jumping in a van and leaving for eight weeks and don't know if I'm going to make any money or not. That's that's not in the cards for me personally. And that's a decision that I decided to make. If you're, you know, I don't know, 21 years old and you don't have a spouse and a mortgage and a, you know, a car payment or whatever, that may be the best choice for you. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think everybody has to make their own decision, but whatever that decision is, you are invariably going to have dozens, if not hundreds of people that are going to help you along your path. So how is this any different? I don't know. You know, I mean, I think it's great that you're offering this stuff. Yeah, thank you. Like I said, I have been so um, encouraged by the response because uh, I really just tiptoed into it, you know. <laughs> You're right. Um, and and I, I, one of the best things I've learned in my coach training so far is that a coach has to be continually developing themselves. Uh, if they're gonna if they're gonna work with any client on developing, they have to be continuing to develop themselves. And the biggest change has been in myself in this process. And it's funny because it's changed my drumming already. It's changed my teaching already, you know, it's, it, it, it can't help but to seep into every part of your life, just like the confidence that you have from becoming a great performer that, that just seeps into everywhere else. And you sort of carry it with you. It becomes part of your being, you know, it doesn't have to define you, but you can't, you don't, it's not just a coat you put on when you walk out the door, you, you yeah. are that it's your essence. Yeah. I mean, I, I, brother, that's a, a great point. You know, I mean, I, I've, heard people say before, you know, you get to a certain point with anything and, you know, obviously I'm going to stay on the analogy of drumming, but, you know, there's been so many people in my life that, that will say, you know, I'm perfectly happy doing it in my basement or my garage, you know, drumming. That's, that's where I'm comfortable. I'm just too scared to jump on stage with other musicians or whatever. But if they ever do cross that line and they play the first gig, nobody ever says, yeah, I don't want to do that again. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you're right. Everybody's like, oh, my God, I get it now. You know, and I think you learn by doing and, you know, the the old adage is, you know, 10,000 hours of anything you to to become an expert. Right. So you're you're in the uh, the the nexus of your coaching career, if you will. And, you know, I want to make sure that I ask this. This doesn't mean you're doing this. It's not a this or that. It's a this and that, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's 
uh, I'm not pulling back from my music career whatsoever. I mean, it, it sort of feels like that right now due to the world circumstances. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm just a hobby. Basically, I see myself as a hobbyist drummer right now going through coach training <laughs> and doing, doing uh, some private lessons and, and coaching <laughs> sessions. But no, in the big picture, what I love is that I see it connect perfectly. Um, you know, I've done some clinics, uh, I've done some master classes and part of the reason I haven't pursued it harder is I, I asked the same question that I've said several times already is, well, who am I, what do I have to offer? I I'm not just trying to storm into this space when there's already plenty of people in this space. Um, and I, you know, when I look at pursuing, uh, this, in addition to all of my play, you know, everything that makes me the player, I am the drummer, I am and my experience, um, in the business and you combine, uh, this whole coaching journey and then hopefully being a, a fully credentialed certified coach. Um, that's like, Oh, this is more of a picture of a complete me. I can, I would be giving a better drum clinic, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I will be a better band leader on the road. Yeah. I'll be, I'll, I will deal with artist management better. I mean, how many people have rough relationships there? Gee, you know, <laughs> I told, I told Tyler's management that what I was doing just so that they knew, um, just schedule wise. I said, Hey, let me know if anything pops up these days of the week, like just so I have, I can work around other with other things. And they were like, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, so everything really connects. And that sort of goes to what I was saying about like everything you do becomes part of your essence. And there's no, Oh, when I'm a drummer, I'm a this, when I'm a, a husband, I'm a this it's you, you are your whole being all of the time. And if you let one part grow, everything else, you know, is still connected to that. And, and one thing can pull the others along. Yeah, man, that's wise, wise words, Mark, for sure. I mean, it's just, and I think it's so cool that, that you're, you know, telling us all about it. You know, I mean, it's got me pumped up. I'm like, man, I, I need a personal development coach. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like everybody, (laughs) yeah, everybody needs that in, in their life. You know, just somebody to say, look, here's how you're going about things right now. Have you thought about this? And for so many of us, it's a parent, a sibling, a spouse, um, certainly that person that you bounce something off of. But sometimes like, you know, if if I go to, you know, my wife, for example, she understands the music business. You know, she's been married to me for 20 years. But if I say, you know, in your example, artist management, she's probably going to be like, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you there. You know, don't, don't be a, a an asshole, I guess. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But somebody yeah. that's already been there like you, I can bounce those things off somebody like you and you can actually give me some guidance that is helpful for dealing with that situation. Certainly. I, I think what a lot of us, uh, you know, I'm including myself in this, um, we, we sort of just need to unpack our stuff a little bit. Yeah. And, and it, we're not just talking like mental stuff. You know, I, I'm not, uh, thinking like, Oh, it's, it's all a mental thing. I mean, talk, talk, connecting it to drumming, you know, looking at your playing and saying, how, how do I, you know, these Dave Garibaldi grooves in future sounds, man, they're freaking amazing. How do I actually get these to sound like he does? What's, you know, what's the difference between where I am and where he's at? How do I bridge that gap? And 
that's what often a drum teacher offers. But a lot of times, you know, I I think plenty of people aren't willing to spend the time or money to get proper instruction on drums. You know, we see that all the time and they just sort of feel stuck. And it's, it's mostly because it helps to have somebody where you say, Hey, I, I perceive this gap here in front of me. Why doesn't my backbeat sound like yours? Why doesn't my pocket feel like yours? How can, how can Steve Gadd hit the same snare drum that maybe I could run up to right after he hit it? It sounds completely different. <laughs> yeah. um, there, there, are, there aren't uh, completely secret locked up answers to these things. Some of them are, some of the answers are ones like, well, yeah, you, you can't sound like Steve Gadd because only Steve Gadd can sound like Steve Gadd. <laughs> right. But some of them are things that if you're willing to really dig in and assess where you are and also define where you want to be, you can bridge the gap yourself. Yeah. Um, Go go ahead. No. And I was going to say, and you know, the, the teacher that I praise, you know, I've had a lot of great teachers, but Steve Rucker at the university of Miami, I, I raved about him the first time I was on with you, I'm sure. But Steve was the first drum teacher that I really came to see as that higher level of sort of a coach where, you know, he, he won't even tell you you're doing it wrong. He just has a way of getting you to realize that you're doing it wrong, yeah. you know? And, and not only that, but he gets you to realize that you already know a better way to do it, you yeah. know, by, Hey, did, did you listen to that recording yourself? Yeah. That whole thing. And I, I think, uh, just that relationship with another person is so powerful. You know, we've, we've, those of us in, you know, married or, or romantic relationship often have that covered, hopefully in a positive way with somebody, but when it relates to drums and music, you know, it can be hard. And, and a lot of guys discover that, uh, following all the monster chops videos on YouTube usually doesn't get you where you want to go. <laughs> Well, you know, we, we could do another hour on that topic alone. <laughs> I'm yeah, pretty and sure. I'm not, and I'm not ragging on chops because it is amazing what some people can do. But unless, unless that's actually your goal is to compete for world's fastest drummer, uh, I'm not sure that that's going to get you closer to maybe the gig that's really your goal. You know, like oh, somebody says, I want to play in arenas. Uh, well, I, you know, world's fastest drummer, I don't think is held in an arena. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, pursue it if you want to be the world's fastest drummer. But otherwise, there's a whole different path. There, there are incredible drummers that play for tens of thousands of people that even have strange mechanics just to start with. Oh, you know? yeah, man, for sure. Well, it, and, you know, I, I'm not knocking world's fastest drummer either, you know, I, at all. But a couple of guys that have held that title are two of the biggest groove machines alive. And that's Johnny Rahab and Mike Mangini. Yeah. Yeah. It, those, those guys are unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So I love it. I, I, I've followed Johnny Rahab for so long cause he, he put out that uh, jungle drum and bass book. Oh yeah. Um, man, I, I'm, I'm guessing on the day it was like, I had it in college. So we're talking like Oh three Oh four Oh five or something. And man, what a great book. I, I actually have it. It's actually on the music stand in my drum room, which is why I just thought of it. Um, cause I, I love drum and bass grooves. If I don't know what I'm practicing, I just pull out that stuff and just turn, turn the click to 180 and just go. <laughs> That's awesome, man. But you know, to, to your point, you know, I, and I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but 
for me, I mean, I can only relate this stuff to me, right? I mean, I feel like sometimes I get in this, you know, monster slump, you know, of every time I sit down behind the kit, everything sounds the same. There's nothing new and exciting for me. And it's, um, you know, that's mental. That's probably not my physical ability leaving my body, right? It's there's something going on in my head that is preventing me from chasing that new idea or or you know thinking about a groove in a different way um absolutely you know so i mean i think so many musicians whether it's a drummer a guitarist a singer anybody they they get in these slumps and having somebody that can talk them through that um is so important so you know yeah and and you that's why i think you know and i i know i know this feeling as well as anybody that stale thing um you could be playing a lot and you still feel that way. There's no correlation there necessarily that I've found, but the, the thing is that, sorry, I totally, totally lost my train of thought on that. Um, the thing is that it's more playing is not usually the answer. That was what I was going for. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's until you figure out the mental thing, you're going to, your playing could get better and better and you still might feel stale. Because it's a mental thing. It's a perception of yourself. And I, I think, you know, it'll be natural for a lot of people, you know, myself included, to, to deal with that stale feeling with all that's going on in the world. I mean, you know, you're not playing gigs. You're not, you know, how do you find fresh stuff? You know, fortunately, there's a lot of new music out there and it's easier to discover music than ever, but you have to seek it out. Yeah, you, um, and I think a lot of people will be maybe feeling up against the wall if this thing keeps stretching on. And that can be difficult, but beating your head against the wall doesn't make the wall fall down. Yeah, that's right. And, and it doesn't change things. And, you know, I, I, I will say this, you know, a, a very famous drummer told me in confidence once. Um, and this is a guy that was playing arenas night after night after night after night, you know, 250 nights a year. Um, he said, look, I play the same 20 songs for eight, nine months at a time we don't even sound check anymore. You know, our, our crew yep. does our sound check. He was like, I'm handled from the time I wake up in the morning <laughs> until going to bed at night. And I have to be in certain places at certain times, you know, doing press or whatever the case may be. He was like, when I get off tour, you would think that's when I would be playing at my peak. And it's actually when I'm playing at my worst because I've played the same 20 songs for nine months straight. And that's the absolutely only playing I got. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so that, that's kind of counterintuitive, but you know, that's maybe a little inside baseball for our listeners. Um, oh yeah. It's, it's the yin and yang of, of success, right? I mean, you, you get all these amazing and beautiful things circumstantially in the gig and, and, you know, sometimes even notoriety and sometimes even good money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but you feel less, it's, it's harder to grow that way than any other time. And when you're off and nobody's taking the cool pictures of you and you're not performing to like adoring crowds, you can work on stuff. You know, I've, I've got two kits in my drum room. One is always rigged for recording and I, I kind of never touch it other than tweaking, you know, stuff to the tone of a song. The other is a, basically a bop kit. It's a Ludwig club date kit with a, 
you know, 12, 14, 20. And all, all I do is play straight ahead jazz and, you know, drum and bass stuff on that kit. And that's the kit that I almost exclusively play for fun. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, like, there's no big backbeat, like all the thing, if, you know, you've seen me play, uh, none of that is involved on that <laughs> kit. And that's the only kit I want to play when I'm home. That's cool, man. Um, yeah. It's and that's where I feel growth and I feel inspiration happening. Um, that's just the the funny um, yin and yang of of like success on the road. Like, should you get it, you might feel more stale than you've ever felt before. <laughs> <laughs> it's but I mean it's it is true, and that's kind of the trap that we all you know can potentially fall into. You know, and you don't have to be touring arenas to, to get that same kind of staleness in your playing. Um, you know, if you're I think you did like wedding bands and stuff while you were in college down in Miami. Right. Oh, oh yeah. Wedding corporate bands. Um, no matter what you're doing, even if you're a hobbyist and you're just playing at home, you know, what what if your fun playlist is like. 40 different records, 40 different albums, or 400 different songs. That's still a fixed amount of music. Right. It's, it's only going to feel fresh for so long. That's right. That's exactly right, man. That's good advice. Now, you're talking about your studio, so so I'm going to, I don't want to geek out too much, but, you know, when you're doing tracks and whatnot, are you a Pro Tools guy or are you using Ableton? What, you know, what kind of rig do you have set up? Well, I just, I use Ableton for everything now. Um, that is, is for a couple of reasons. Number one, I just got tired of Pro Tools. I mean, I used it like we all did for so long. Um, but I, I also do Ableton, uh, you know, playback consulting and show programming and time code stuff for other touring acts in town. Um, like my teaching, I don't, I I don't really advertise it, but like I, I do when the call comes up, I'm happy to do it. Um, so I'm in Ableton so much that it just, it was like, why am I doing pro tools when I'm sending files off to somebody, everyone wants raw files. I'm not sending any EQ, any compression. I'm not gate. It's just what it is. So I'm, I'm focused entirely on great capture of tone and Ableton is more than adequate for that. You know, I wouldn't want to mix a record in Ableton probably, but (laughs) nobody wants me to mix their record. (laughs) Touche, touche. I mean, kick it. If I mix your record, kick and snare are way too loud. (laughs) More me, baby, more me. Um, So I I would assume for you then it's about, you know, uh, mic selection, mic placement, things like that. Yes. Yeah. And, and I've, uh, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit. I, I do believe in the value of quality outboard preamps. So, um, you know, I've got a whole slew, 12 channels of like API 312 style mic preamps for any of the vintage gear nerds out there. Um, and a couple channels of compression um, that I run in parallel. So like I have a mono room mic. I build a compressor for it that is just utter destruction, um, and it can be really cool in a mix. Um, and I'll run those in parallel. So somebody gets the clean mic, and then they also get the compressed channel. They've got options. And I, I usually when I send tracks off to a bigger studio, um, they're like, yeah, we're not really using the compressed channels because we have our own, we got compressors filling the racks here. But 
somebody who's in a, a home studio or project studio that sometimes that's just the trick yeah. to get some magic happening. Um, but I try to keep myself from going too far down the, the gear acquisition rabbit hole. Uh, even with drums, you know, I, I don't own 50 snare drums. I think I own like 15. And well, I mean, that's good for, enough, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it, well, and there's, you know, <laughs> there's like three on the road. So that's a dozen at home. There's two kits here. So it really, it's really just covering the color palette, you know? Um, I, it, I actually have a rule that I can't get more drums than I have space for on my shelf. So if one comes in, one has to go. And it's going to be the one that hasn't been used. It hasn't been practical. So uh, that's just a general thing of like, I don't need gear coming out my ears. That doesn't bring me more work. It doesn't make me happier. It, you know, I f- actually feel bad if a drum hasn't been played and I will then play it just out of principle. <laughs> yeah, man. So somebody asked me once, you know, and I don't have a ton of stuff, but you know, I've got, I don't know, seven or eight snares and, you know, somebody was like, do you play all that? And I was like, if I didn't, it wouldn't be here. You know, I, I do not Absolutely. have, any, I don't have any case Queens. I mean, everything is, is meant to be played. You know, that's what they're there for. Um, but I, just out of curiosity and I don't know, but were you and Brendan Buckley at Miami at the same time? Are you guys the same age? We were not. No. Okay. Uh, Brendan, uh, is, is one of the people that, made me discover Miami and inspired me to go there. Um, so I, we, he finished, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how many years before me handful. Um, and right what he, you know, Shakira exploded. Yeah. Uh, along, along with Enrique Iglesias and Ricky Martin and so many of those artists over the span of a couple of years and many, many of the drummers affiliated with them were UM alum. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was really inspired by like, hold on, like this, this jazz school, essentially it like these guys are going out into the rock pop world. Yes. Um, so Brendan, it was, it was really cool. I'm not sure if he remembers it even, but I, I got a private lesson from him when I was a student at Miami. Oh, that's um, so cool. He, he, he came through and he had done a little master class, And then those of us that wanted, we paid him for a lesson and, um, that was a you know uh, a really important thing for my uh, mental development. Realizing you know he was in L.A. at that point, and Brendan had done what I wanted to do, which is play the huge crowds, play in the the pop music realm. You know whether it's pop, country, rock, metal, rap, whatever. Like you know all generally pop music. Um, and it's funny because I, I bet he has no idea the extent to which certain things that he said or I observed from him stuck. But uh, I think he, he, we reconnected. Um, I think he actually heard my previous episode with you and, and that caused us to reconnect. That's good. Uh, but I've, always sort of, I've always sort of wondered if, if he has any idea uh, the impact that uh, literally a one-off lesson that I was, I threw him whatever cash I had, you know, broke college kid and, um, and it's it's funny you never know the impact that you uh, have on somebody else just because it's a totally different perspective. Well, you know, I try to teach my daughter all the time that every interaction counts because the world is a very small place. But you know, Brendan is, you know, he's a good friend of the show. We've had him on a couple of times. Um, yeah, you, you know, just 
super guy. And every now and then, you know, I'll get an email and it'll just be, hello from Thailand. Love the episode this week. You know, or, I mean, it's, it's something very short, but he's just such a thoughtful guy. But the reason I brought him up, you know, we've had a lot of U, U of M guys on here, you know, Daphnis Prado, um, Ed Toth, Rod Morgenstein, you, Brendan, you know, just all kinds of guys from Miami. But the reason I specifically brought him up, we were talking about snare drums. Anything that you don't need, you could probably call Brendan. He'll take it. I, you know, he, <laughs> he's he got quite the collection, but, um, you know, and I give him a hard time about that all the time. You know, he's just got so much cool stuff, you know, but he's doing sessions so often. It, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. If I had, if I was doing cartage for sessions and stuff, you, you need that. Like that's when you run into, of course, I've got eight black beauties, you know, <laughs> like o- only one or two of them are ever in the same location. That's a, that's a different situation. Right. Um, I, you know, so far there's been no need for, for cartage. Um, that would be a great problem to have, <laughs> but realistically, most of my tracks are, uh, either at home or somewhere where they've got a house kit dialed in and, and it's more trouble than it's worth to, to bring anything else in. Yeah. Um, it, I, I, it would be cool. I think, I know we're probably getting close to time, but, um, I was thinking it might be cool to share one of the things that really stuck with me from Brendan, just to sort of illustrate that, um, you never know what impact you're going to have on somebody. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, so, you know, I was, I was 19 and this is probably relatable to a lot of people. I was 19 or 20 years old and he was in LA on a big gig and then, you know, doing LA sessions and, you know, he's an it guy and I was able to be in a room with him and I'm thinking about what questions do I want to ask? So I thought a really powerful question at that time was, man, how do you deal with all of the competition in LA? Like there's so many guys and so much you know, going on and so many great drummers. How do you deal with that? And he looked at me, uh, I think puzzled. And he was, he was like competition. No, there's no, there's no competition at all. Like I, I work with people that I have good relationships with and and we're friends and we make music together and we want to work together because we work well together. I'm paraphrasing here. Obviously this is about 15 years ago, but um, that not only is a great description of the kind of person that he is at his core, just off the cuff being confronted by a question like that, but it was also the, the seed for my whole new perspective, perspective of competition. Yeah. Um, and, and to this day, you know, what it's evolved into, I share this with everybody that I talk to is that there is no competition in creative pursuits. It just doesn't exist. That's right. Um, you know, there, there is competition. If you will want to be a fast runner, there's competition. If you want to sell the most of a product in, you know, in society or in, you know, tech world, but in a creative pursuit, it is impossible to have competition because there, there is no direct comparison ever. And if you're worried about that, man, you, you just, <laughs> you, you know, you're just wasting all of your energy. Uh, and it's completely unnecessary. And I credit him with that sort of seed thought that changed the way I perceived it. And it's, you know, music business is a tough thing, but you don't need to make it harder by thinking that you're in competition with anybody. Well, you know, I, at the, uh, 
What can I say, Mark? I mean, you know, I, I typically ask everybody for a good piece of advice when we wrap up, but you just gave it. So, I mean, that's just perfect. I mean, it really is. And I mean, I, I hope everybody hears you say saying that it really takes it to heart because, you know, I mean, I don't know. The, my approach to things when it comes to, you know, a, a session that I'm on or, or if I'm playing in a band, it's, you know, nothing is ever done right? It's just time for it to be released to the world. And everybody hopes they put their all into it, right? If it's a, you know, a gig on Saturday night, it's, did everybody play their best? You know, um, comparing that to the next band that plays is kind of silly, really. You know, I mean, of course. if you, if you give it your all and you've done the best that you can do, that's the reward, Right. Yeah. And, and to add to that, if you're, you know, watching another drummer playing in another band and you're inviting comparison and you go down that road, the only thing that can do is rob you of any potential joy that performance has to offer you. Yeah. Well, it's the only thing that can come of it. You're absolutely right. And, you know, when you're of an ability level like mine, you know, like I watched you play last year when you guys were in Lexington man, I stole probably five or six things, right? But it was, wow, you know, I, I never thought about approaching something that way, right? I can learn something yeah. from everybody, even if I can't do it. Like, you know, Ray Luzier, I watch him play and I go, Jesus, I'll never do that. Yeah. But, yeah. but at the same time, you're like, maybe I could steal just a little bit of that. <laughs> Yeah. Even the essence of where it came from, you know, just the, uh, uh, even the motion on, on the drum kit, you know, I'm fascinated by motion. You can, you can take none of the notes that a player does uh, and all of their sense of motion and employ it in your own way. Absolutely, man. It's, you know, I, the world is small. We're all in this together and, you know, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, come at it from a 30,000 foot level just for the current times but it's true. Every interaction matters. The world is a small place and we're all in this together, man. We got to help one another. And I, I think you're going down exactly that path of, I have so much to offer. Um, I, I think it's really cool. Tell us real quick, Mark, for anybody that's listening to this that wants to reach out and talk to you about anything that we covered, what's the best way to reach out to you uh, through social media? Yeah, well, what I it, it's funny. I was so happy that when you reached out to me and you said you want to come back on the show, uh, I realized, man, um, add to the to-do list, get the new website done. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I do have a, a new website, sort of. There's a landing page at marktoys.com. Uh, and it'll connect you to my social media and it, there's a contact submission form. That's all that exists there right now. But to me, that's all that really matters. All everything else that's to come is fluff, right? Right. Um, so they can contact me through there. Um, I, you know, maybe it's a bad idea, but, um, just so people know that it's available, like I said, I'm, I'm pursuing this coaching thing and I've got time to do it. So if anybody feels moved and they want to pursue that while I'm building my hours and while the world is in disarray, I'm actually offering it uh, to people for $10 an hour 
for the first five sessions. Wow. Um, All right. So I, I like proof that like, yeah, if I, if I was really hustling the money, I'd be working at Amazon for the 15 <laughs> or whatever they're paying. Like it's not, it's not about the money. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's got to pay something or the hours don't count. But, um, so I want to extend that to anybody. I, I hope that that, you know, may, if it goes too well, maybe I'll be inundated, but <laughs> I have a feeling it, maybe there's, you know, somebody or, or a couple of people out there that that really resonates with. And I think it's the perfect time to do it. And I am, I would love to be of service to anyone I possibly can, um, because it would help both of us in that relationship. So they can find me there just like lessons or sessions or, or saying, Hey, like, I mean, I think the best thing we can all do right now is stay as connected as we can possibly be because we're going to get through this together. Here, here, wise words. Now make sure you mention to Mark that, that you heard this on the drum shuffle. Cause he's going to give me like a 25% affiliate link. Right, Mark? <laughs> yeah, like I said, I was, I was like, man, I, I don't, how, you don't want to undercut yourself. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't, I don't want money to be a problem. Let's do some work, you yeah. know. And eventually, yeah, it'll be what I charge for lessons and all that. But right now, there's more important <laughs> things to do. I feel. Yeah, I agree, man. Well, look, it goes without saying, man. You're, you're a good buddy, and I appreciate you taking time to do this. You're always welcome here. Okay, so anytime you. you have anything to report, man, just reach out and we'll, we'll put you on here. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's just always so good to talk to you and catch up and, you know, here's hoping that the world gets back to normal in short order and you're back out there doing what you need to be doing, which is playing, you know, everybody needs to go out and see Mark playing live, uh, with Tyler Farr and hopefully the new record is just going to explode. There's going to be all this pent-up demand for for seeing Tyler and you guys live. And things will be back to normal and good. But in the meantime, go visit Mark at his website and uh, tell him we sent you. Yeah, that, that's so great. And I, like I said, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand from all of us. And who knows? Like, what if? what if... So many of us can just come back better than ever all at the same time. Yeah. Like, holy cow. How, how awesome would that be? So I agree. Yeah. Let's, let's make the best of it and hopefully stay healthy. And, and if you don't stay healthy, then my, my absolute best energy and prayers are going your way. Awesome. Mark, thanks so much, brother. We'll talk to you real soon. Okay, man. Awesome. Thanks again for having me. It's an honor. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys and girls, that's going to wrap up episode 96 of the Drum Shuffle. As always, thank you so, so much for tuning in. We cannot do this show without each of you doing so every single week. We really do appreciate it. Uh, As always, I'm going to ask you, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen in to the Drum Shuffle. Leave us a thumbs up, a star rating, a review. It helps other folks find us out there as they're searching for drum podcasts. Uh, The biggest thing you can do for us, share an episode with a friend. Tell somebody that you think might be interested in these interviews about us. Uh, It helps us tremendously as we continue to grow. As always, we answer every single email that we receive here at the Drum Shuffle. The Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com is where you can reach out to us. 
thedrumshuffle.com is our web address and you can find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. Again, many thanks to Mark Poise for taking time out of his busy schedule to join us again today. Uh, next week, you're not going to want to miss it. I am going to be hosting the wonderful David Northrup. Uh, David spent 10 years playing with Travis Tritt. Uh, he has also played with Boz Skaggs, uh, John Mellencamp, the Oak Ridge Boys, uh, Tanya Tucker, it, just a guy that has done so many great gigs uh, in his lifetime, and he has a fantastic new solo record out that we're going to talk to David about, so you're not going to want to miss that, so hit that subscribe button. I hope everybody is doing well out there and adjusting to the new normal. Hopefully, we're all going to get back to normal here before too very long. That is my sincere hope. Let me know how we can help you here at the Drum Shuffle. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.